Okay, well today we wrap up our series called Terminal. If you haven't been with us, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen back through it. It's been about seven or eight weeks. Um, just talking through kind of the last uh, few moments of Jesus' life, his last teaching before he went to the cross. And uh, today we, we, we started last week talking about his closing prayer in this section. We wrapped that up today. Um, and the thing about prayer, I don't know if you've, you've felt this, but there's, there's a feeling that you get when someone says that they've been praying for you or I will be praying for you. And maybe you're, maybe you're new to church. Maybe that's something that's not a familiar thing to you. Maybe you're not into prayer. Maybe you're not into church stuff. Um, but if you're new to church world, that's something we say a lot. Or, hey, I'll be praying about that. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to be praying for you guys, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but when I say that feeling you get, I don't mean the feeling you get when you know it's kind of like half-hearted, right? That feeling when you know they're really not going to pray for you or they're not praying for you. Um, maybe it's, uh, it's like that politician thing where when some tragedy happens in their district, they, th- they throw out their thoughts and prayers, and you're like, whatever, dude. Um, or, or that person that you know, they're just not going to pray, and it just kind of rings hollow. That, that, that's not to say that we shouldn't tell people that we're going to pray for them or that we're praying for them, but sometimes it just doesn't have the impact that you're looking for. That's, that's not what I mean. I mean the, the kind of thing when someone says it, and you know they mean it. You know that person is a prayer. We've got, we've got people in this church like that where they... They'll encourage me or, or my family or others and just say, hey, we've been praying for you. We've been covering your family. That, that means a lot. And, and, and there are other people in my life outside of Fieldstone that have kind of jumped into that role. Uh, my grandma was one of those. I, I started the series talking about this letter that my grandpa wrote before he died, maybe 20 or so years ago. So I guess I might as well finish with a story about grandma. Um, so we lost grandma three or four years ago. So she outlived my grandpa by quite a bit. Um, and when she passed... Uh, my dad and his brothers were kind of digging through um, the files and things, as you do when you're, when you're kind of taking care of someone's estate. And they came across this three by five. Hello? Oh, not for me. Uh, they came across this. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't embarrass people like that, but um, it is what it is. Back to my, my sweet dead grandma. Um, three <laughs> Maybe that was her. I don't know. <laughs> so. Uh, man, this is supposed to happen in the first service when it's not on video, but this is, we'll, we'll roll with it. So, three by five card, everybody can see it. So, uh, they found this three by five card uh, with the names of every person in our entire family, from her, through her boys and their wives and, and their kids and their kids' kids, even to a couple great uh, grandkids who were around before she passed. Um, and, and it was in with her Bible. And they discovered that this was part of her prayer list. And it started off very organized, right, with, with her boys and their wives, and she would add in their kids. And as it got more and more full of grandkids and great-grandkids, she's kind of squeezing their names in. And it was very meaningful because you realize this is a woman who loved and served Jesus and loved and served people for decade after decade after decade. She was one where the Bible was talking about when it says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective that's her, and she prayed for me? That's meaningful, right? That's, that's a big deal. So that's what I mean. Like, and, may, and maybe, like I said, maybe you're not into prayer. Maybe for you, prayer is just in this moment. You're praying that this is a church with one-hour services and not three-hour services with lots of tambourines, right? You're like, pray. I just hope that this is just one of those short churches, and maybe it's not that meaningful to you. But, even, but if you set aside the prayer thing, think about the meaning of someone who values you enough to think of you by name from time to time. They say, hey, we were, we were just talking about you the other day. It's funny that we ran into you. Hey, I've been, I've been thinking about you. I heard about your family, your mom. I've been really thinking about you. 
So keep prayer out of it. That's still extremely meaningful, but then add in prayer. And, then, and so, so take that feeling and add in someone who we believe to be the creator and savior of the world, and then multiply that times eternity, and that's the kind of moment we jump into this morning as we wrap up this series. And, and as I said last week, this prayer could have been broken up into four or five pieces. We've done it into two pieces, and so we'll jump back in today um, and kind of see where Jesus takes us as he wraps up um, this farewell discourse, this, this terminal moment in his life as he heads towards the cross. So I'm going to read the whole prayer, all of 17. Uh, Michelle's back there on the slides. These verses aren't all up there, so don't freak out. If they're not there, I just figured it's going to be 80 slides of verses uh, for this whole thing. So if, uh, if you uh, pull out your Bible and turn to it, John 17, pull it up on your app, or just be a very active listener this morning, and, and we'll get through this prayer together. So Jesus says this. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. That was the part we hit last week. We'll continue on as he prays for his friends. I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have that you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. See, this is the part where it makes me think, man, you can't tell me he didn't weep through a good chunk of this prayer, right? This is the end of the end. If this whole, if these four or five chapters are the end, this is the end of the end. And now he's praying for them, looking them in the eye. Maybe they hugged their way through this prayer. Because remember, we talked about last week, this was prayed out loud, very common in their Jewish faith, very common for a rabbi with his disciples. He's praying this out loud, and now he's praying for them, right to their face. Had to be emotional. Pray for them. Not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they're still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, and I kept them safe by that name. None have been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. He's talking about Judas there. Verse 13, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also believe in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. 
then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So in this prayer, we hit that, those first five verses or so last week where Jesus is praying that he and the Father would be glorified. We, we discovered that the, the entire purpose of this book, the purpose of Jesus coming, certainly we reap the benefits and we're beneficiaries of his sacrifice on the cross, but we, as much as we're beneficiaries, we're not the purpose. The purpose was for God to be glorified, for his name to be made great, for him to be of great renown throughout the universe. That was the purpose that's revealed in those four or five verses. But then he moves on, and he prays for his current disciples, those 11 that remained. They've walked a long road. They're, they're, they're about to carry a heavy burden. They had been there for Jesus' entire ministry. They'd seen the things he'd done, heard what he preached, learned it, given an opportunity to practice those things, and now he's leaving, and they're being called to take it and do it and for many of them to die for it. And these, this big section here in the middle, it's almost like Jesus is saying to his father, God, saying, God, we've, we're going we're gonna to leave them to do their thing. We're sending the Holy Spirit, but God, keep our promises to them. We've promised to protect them and give them wisdom and direction. We've promised to give them power. Now, Father, keep those promises. And then he moves on to a third thing, and he prays for his future disciples. Because he knows that those who would come in the years and centuries and millennia to come would carry that same burden. They would have to walk that same road. Some of them experiencing faith in hostile areas. Even here in 2022, there are hostile areas to follow Jesus. But some of them, like us, would experience faith in freedom. But we even know that even in freedom, there are different kinds of burdens that come with trying to follow Jesus where there is no pressure, where there is no persecution. And those who come after are being asked to have the same faith, but without sight. In John 20, Jesus is interacting with Thomas, who, you remember doubting Thomas, who needed to see Jesus to believe. And then he saw and believed, and Jesus said, that's fantastic, but blessed are those who are going to come after, who don't get a chance to see. And so we walk the same road, but in a different way. When he prays this part, those future disciples, those future followers, he's praying for you. Praying for me. Jesus prays for you here. And if you go to Romans 8.34 or Hebrews 7.25, you, you find out that he continues to do so, interceding for you as you go about this life and seek to follow him in the same way that his disciples did. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this section of scripture is a really big deal. This should mess with you in all the right ways. It should encourage you. It should empower you. Because if you look back on this entire series, this terminal thing we've been doing where Jesus at the beginning says, hey, I want you to humble yourself and serve. We've been called to that. I want you to love one another. That's how people are going to know that you're my followers. And in that, you need to stand on the truth that I'm the way and the truth and the life. There's only one way to get to the Father. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of that, the world's not going to like it. They're going to push back. And not only are they going to push back, they're going to pull in the complete opposite direction that you're trying to go. There's going to be a tension there that you're going to have to deal with. And in the midst of it, I'm going to be there. It's going to be okay. We can maintain this relationship, stay 
connected to me. And so throughout this entire teaching, all these important things that he wanted to remind his disciples of and teach them before he left, the things he wanted to clarify for those who would come after and seek to follow him and want to know what this is about, all these important things, and this is the last thought of all the last thoughts, and that last thought was of you. It should mean something to you. So with all that said, the, the, the thing I really wanted to hit on this morning is one thing in particular that he prays that kind of caught my attention. As I said, we could go four or five different directions with this, but this, this one thing I think is, is maybe the reason why he prays for us, the reason why he continues to intercede for us. Um, so an in, in interesting challenge, interesting reminder that comes. So jump to verse 24 of John 17, and as he's wrapping up this prayer, Jesus says, Father, I... I want those that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, right? So if you go back to John 14, he opens and says, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yeah, I'm leaving you physically, but it's so that I can prepare this place, right? Because in the end, in that promise, there is rest. There is a reward. There's a day when it's the culmination of the plan. And he longs for that day when all of us will be present with him in that place. That's what he wants to have happen. And yet, if you look back, uh, starting in verse 13, he's kind of a little bit of empathy here. I'm, I'm coming to you now, Father, but, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they, my disciples, may have the full measure of my joy. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I'm of the world. So, hey, I'm leaving these guys behind. I wish, I wish they were all coming with me. I wish that they could be with me in this place where I'm going back to you, Father, and that the world, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. He knows so he's finishing up these last, these last thoughts, these, these moments, this, this farewell, and he's leaving them behind. It's going to be tough. And then he says, in verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And then in verse 18, God, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And so I stop there and I think, okay, well, you're Jesus, right? You're God. If you want someone to be with you somewhere, they can be with you somewhere. They, they can be with you where you are. You get, that's like your choice. That's what he wants, and yet that's not where we are. And you think, okay, if the world is so difficult, if it's the opposite of Jesus, if there's tension with Jesus, if they're ignorant of Jesus, if they're rebellious against Jesus, if Jesus won't be here and he wants us to be with him, it seems like the safest thing, the best protection would be to simply remove us from that situation to be with him where he is, if that's his desire. And yet he says, as you sent me, Father, into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Although his desire is for us to be with him, at least for a time, he's chosen to call us and place us and send us in the opposite direction of where he is. Why? He reveals that in verses 20 and 21. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also believe in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. He has chosen for a time to not have us be where he is so that through us, in him, more might believe. There's a purpose behind this plan. You are here because God has sent you here. You are here because God has sent you here, placed you here, called you here, has a mission for you here. Not this room, right? Let's think, 
bigger than this seat. Now, certainly God's will plays into the fact that you're in this room at this time hearing this particular message. But we're talking bigger than field center. I'm talking about the office. Talking about your school. Talking about your kitchen table. Talking about your commute. Talking about your street at your age in this generation, in the midst of these current events, in the midst of your school board's agenda, right? All the things that we experience and navigate and go back and forth on and figure out and decisions to make and wisdom that we need and all these different things, you've been called here. You've been sent here because God wants the people in your life to see and hear and experience the truth as that same truth changes and transforms and impacts your life. He knows what the world is all about. He knows the tension. He lived the tension. He knows the challenges. He hasn't taken you out of those. He's sent you into it. Matthew 28, the end of that chapter, will be pretty familiar to many of you as the the Great Commission. Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded to you. That's the Great Commission. That's what we've been called to do. That's what we've been challenged to do. That's what we've been sent to do. And um, in the summer of 2019, Joe and I took three or four weeks and just picked apart these few verses. And Joe delivered what I believe is one of the top three talks ever given at this church. Um, And I'm not even in the top three. So this isn't like, I got one and two, and Joe's in there at three. No, it's fantastic talk. And what Joe did to introduce that series was he explained that, that the words that are used there, that phrase in that context, we read it in English as, therefore, go and make disciples. But what it's really saying is, as you go, make disciples. As you go. So not necessarily everybody's going to Africa, and everybody's going to China, and everybody's going to the Middle East, and everybody's going to South America. No, it's as you go to work. As you go to school, as you go about your day, as you're interacting at the grocery store, as you're visiting the dentist's office, as you go. Maybe you are sent out. Maybe, maybe you are sent to a, a local or national or international mission field. Whatever it is, as you go, wherever it is God has sent you, make disciples. It's a difficult challenge. It's a big challenge. And yet, all the while, in the midst of all of it, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father himself, praying for you in the midst of that mission. Saying, Father, help them to be united in that. Just like you and I are united, unite them with us and with each other. And and he looks down and says, as she goes, Father, make your name great through her, just like you did through me. Father, my guy down here today, Father, protect him today. It's going to be a hard day. Protect him from evil. Father, protect his thoughts. Protect his decisions down and says, Father, give this couple joy this week. Give them an extra measure of joy. And Father, don't send, don't send him around in the trouble, but protect him and give him peace in the trouble. Father, sanctify her, transform her, set her apart with the truth, the truth about salvation, the truth about life, the truth about us. He looks down and says, Father, this my little church down there in Milan, Michigan, give them an extra measure of your Holy Spirit. He is up there at the right hand of God Almighty praying and interceding for you. You are here because God has sent you here. So 
I want to challenge and encourage you this morning. Embrace your calling. Embrace your calling. Flip it around to first person and say, I am here because he has sent me here. He has called me here. He has placed me here. He wants to reach people through me here. Maybe only for a season. Right? Some of, some of you are walking in a place that God has called you that you would never choose for yourself. A moment, a conversation, a decision you have to make, some tension with the world that you're having to navigate, some struggle that requires the truth, some struggle that requires Jesus, and he has sent me to this time, in this place, in this moment. Embrace your calling. I want to get super specific for a quick moment because um, I, want, I want you to consider and, and maybe ask yourself the question, am I called to something more? Right, Because we're all called to life, right? We're all called to this place and this time and the, the circumstances, the situations, the families, the different things that God has called us to be in and interact with and the conversations to have. But some of you, I wonder, are you called to something more than just everyday ministry and mission type stuff? Are you called to full-time ministry? some sort. Maybe something in the local church or something similar to that. Maybe a mission field, something local, something domestic here in the States. Maybe something overseas. And I say this because uh, the generation of Boomer and Gen X leaders are slowly reaching the end of their race. They're finishing up decades of faithful service. And millennials, I'm one of you, okay? We bring a lot of good stuff to the table, but in my opinion, we as millennials have not filled the gap that is being left behind by the Gen X and boomer leaders of the church and the mission field. And so I look to Gen Z, those of you 25 and under, those coming right up behind them, because there's another generation coming behind them, believe it or not. Gen Z, I believe you guys are the ones that'll be the next great generation of church leaders and missionaries. There's a gap to be filled and so as you consider, and, and some of you are parents of that generation, some of you are grandparents of that generation, we need you, we need the next generation to step up and fill that gap. Me and a lot of my peers, we have not done a good job of filling the gap left behind by the generations of faithful servants and leaders that have gone by, but you guys can, right? That doesn't mean if you're over 25, you can't consider that question, but I'm looking at the next ones. Embrace your calling. Are you called to something more? Embrace your calling. And I'd say this, in the midst of all that, don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. This passage, the, the way we ended up going this morning was, is with the being sent into the world part. But really, if you read throughout this prayer, which we did, and back through the previous chapters, there's a big theme that comes out a lot. It's, it's one of unity, where Jesus says, make them one, just like you and I, Father, are one. Unite them in us. Unite them together, unite them in humble service, unite them in love for each other, unite them in the truth, unite them by the Holy Spirit, giving us access to God's heart and will and power, unite them in the midst of the trouble that we face in the world, unite them for God's glory. Your life, your calling, the place where you've been sent does not exist in a vacuum. Don't do it alone. Connected to the body. If not in person, then online. If not fieldstone, then somewhere, right? This is, you are not called to walk this road by yourself. Get yourself around people that you can share with 
and be shared with, that you can encourage and be encouraged by, that you can strengthen and be strengthened by, that you can hold accountable and be held accountable by. Get yourself around those people. Find a place to invest and be obediently generous with your time and your talent and your treasure. You have a calling on your life, so don't do it alone. You are here because you're sent here. And as we talked about last week, it is God's idea, but he's responsible for the results, and our job is to step into that and faithfully obey. Well, as we wrap up, just something I want to throw at you, because I know I, I'm, I'm always impacted by stretches like this where it's someone's last words, so to speak, kind of as they know the end is coming, their terminal season. Um, and there's a few other conversations like that in Scripture. So if you, wanna, uh, if you want a little bit more study and to dig into this a little bit more, if you go to fieldstonechurch.org slash audio, that's where we stick the, the sermon audio every week. But if, if you scroll down for the next couple weeks, we'll leave this up. Um, it just ha- provides six other passages in Scripture where it's someone delivering kind of their last thoughts. Some, uh, for some of them, it's, it's uh, offering blessings to their children and grandchildren. Some of them, it's saying goodbye. Some of it's leaving behind some last important thoughts before they step off the scene as leader. Um, so there's six passages there. And then just a couple questions to consider that might kind of get your brain spinning as you think through those passages. Uh, I just think there's extra emotion, there's extra power when it comes to uh, people that are stepping in to the end of life and, and have some final thoughts. So I'd encourage you to check that out at, at fieldstonechurch.org slash audio. Scroll to the bottom. It's only going to be there for a couple weeks, so don't, don't, uh, don't procrastinate. It is what it is. So, um, do me a favor. If you guys would stand, I'd, I'd love to pray for you, and we'll get out of here this afternoon. Father, as a church, as families, as individual people, uh, all ages, all backgrounds, all current circumstances, all future waters to swim through, God, we acknowledge that we are here because you've asked us to be here. You have sent us here. You've placed us here in our family circles, in our workplaces, in our carpool, in our, in our classrooms, in our choirs, in our bands, in our sports teams. And God, because you have placed us here, we believe and we claim that you have equipped us perfectly to do what you've called us to do. And sometimes, God, it takes a little bit of courage, it takes a little bit of faith, takes a little bit of resilience, and so, God, we ask for all of those things. I pray that over each one here, each one watching at home, each one listening to this later, God, our first service families, our second service families, each individual person within the sound of my voice, God, I just pray that you would empower them and gift them, give them the courage to live the mission that you've given us here on this earth. God, may we make disciples as we go. Father, thanks for our time together, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon.